us tonight. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I was just reminded as I was getting this message together of how our ladies on Thursday, I think, had a very edifying exercise of contemplating the creation. We were talking about Psalm 148 and about how all of creation testifies and praises God, sun and moon and stars on high, uh, fiery winds and uh, fiery uh, wind and snow and vapors, all these things that are in the sky. Everything gives praise to our God. And then we were talking about those things that we enjoy viewing in creation that cause us to marvel. And we realized what a blessing we have as God's people to not just marvel over those things as a lot of people might do. They might say, well, isn't this admirable? Isn't this quite something to be able to see this? But when we're able as Christians to be able to see these things not only for their marvel, but if we can remember then the one who put them together in the first place, our marvel deepens because we admire and we are in wonder about this one who's created it all. Uh, without that acknowledgement, the joys of life are stifled. They're muted. Uh, they fall flat, as it were, at the most. And unfortunately for some who won't acknowledge their creator, these very things that they marvel at and, and who they give wonder to become deified at the worst. And people begin to do what people do anyway when they don't follow God. They begin to uh, swap the creator for the creation and worship that. Well, in our passage tonight, in our confession as Christians, we get reminded and taught to learn the lesson of praising the Creator for the creation and to do it well and for uh, praising God for His great job of creating. As we were saying earlier, the Apostle Paul had just finished explaining the marvels of the electing love and grace of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how he's able to bring Jews and Gentiles alike into his saving fold. And he's describing, as he has been, this remarkable sovereign grace that has been involved in this entire process. But then, having done that, inspired by the Spirit to do so, now the Apostle takes pause. He has to pause a moment as he's discussed all these things because he, he can't just discuss them antiseptically, can he? He can't discuss them just clinically as a number of facts to check off on a list. He, he, he finds himself, as he describes the marvels, having to marvel. He needs to take a moment to praise this God that he's been discussing uh, and do so as one of those who is the recipients of this mercy of God that has been brought to him and is brought to others. 
And he declares how deeply wise and gracious the triune God is. And then he explains why that can be. As we focus on the Christian confession of creation then this, this evening, we're reminded, as we hear it in the Apostle Paul, we hear it in our confession, that God is the source of everything. He's the extent of creation, or better, I think more, a more focused way of putting this is that he's the accomplisher of all things, and then he is the end of all things, or the purpose of all things. You can go with source of creation, extent of creation, the purpose of creation, uh, but maybe a little more focused is to see that he is the source of all creation, he's the accomplisher of all things, and he's also the end of all things. Uh, to, uh, from him, through him, and to him are all things. So we look, first of all, at the fact that he's the source of all things. And you notice that in the passage that's in front of you, that the Apostle Paul asks rhetorical questions, doesn't he? And that is, a rhetorical question, of course, is, 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 is a kind of question that really doesn't need an answer. We know it. It's obvious. The answer is obvious. Nobody has had to give God advice on anything as to what would be the right thing to do when he brought this creation into order. And nobody has had to give God advice as to how to plan out his thoughts concerning the salvation of his people. Nor is there anyone who can say on this planet, planet Christians included, that God owes us something. Because they gave God something. And God is a debtor to them. No, we recognize it the opposite way. Some might even want to say, well, I believed in you and God, and therefore you, I have what's coming to me. You owe me something because I believed in you. This is, this is what I'm going to give to you, God, and then you give to me what I deserve. From him are all things. All things. Everything that we have is received from God Almighty. He is the source of everything. He's the source of our food and our clothing and our faith and our sense and source of being. He's the source of all that is. And even when the sorrows of life fall upon us, we know that this too comes not by chance but by His fatherly hand. We need not shy away from that idea. Because there too we realize as the Apostle would have said a couple of chapters or three chapters before, using those same words, all things, all things work together for good to those who love God in Christ, who are called according to His purpose. Everything fits like pieces in a puzzle. We know that even the opposition that we face from the forces of people, the forces of evil, and the forces of creation cannot separate us from His love because these things have their source in God, the very God whom we call our Father through Jesus Christ. And so, 
even when we're, you know, we consider, we talked about this morning about the education of our children or the training of our children. How sad if, if, if we don't acknowledge this triune God as we're training them as this one who is the source of all the things that we see and, and study. It's it's like leaving the main portion of the puzzle out of the picture. The fact that there's even some picture to put together. We're leaving out the one who put the picture together in the first place. From Him are all things. And through Him are all things. How did the universe come into existence? Eternally? Accidentally? By itself? Did it create itself? It's nonsense to think that way. But if it was accidental, then all things are accidental. And we're accidental. And so is everything that we do or say or think or accomplish. Away with purposes. Away with dreams and designs. And away with any source of, of structure or laws. Because there are none. Because everything's running amok. Everything's chaotic and happenstance. Including ourselves. This accidental collision of cells and atoms. But the Christian confession, on the other hand, is filled with purpose, and truth, and reality. Through Him are all things. When it comes to the discussions of origins, creation, providence, and the new heavens and the new earth. The God who made out of nothing, like Hebrews 11.3 would tell us that by faith we believe that, that God has made all things. And as you hear that, you and uh, I, I know that uh, the men's Bible says looking at Hebrews right now, but yeah, at some point they're going to get to around to Hebrews 11.3 and then you'll hear it say there, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. They use that fancy term ex nihilo for that. That he made everything out of nothing. This is what God's able to accomplish. He's able to do so in accordance with what Genesis 1 would tell as we here every week, actually, most of the time, anyway, when we read the law of God, that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. But not only in these ways do we praise God that we can say through Him are all things, but what about in this past week? Did you have a pretty good week? Were you able to accomplish 
some things that you wanted to accomplish? Were you able to keep your head above water when it seemed as if you were going to drown in responsibilities or challenges? Do you consider yourself a faithful Christian, serious about your faith? Did you do well on that test, young people? Did you get to enjoy a field trip, perhaps, boys and girls? Did you enjoy pleasant weather? Did you endure pain? Sustain surgery? Persevere through trial? Accomplish tasks? Confess Christ? And then look, at the, look ahead. Who's going to help you raise those children of yours? Who's going to give you the answers? How will you be able to respond obediently to conflict? Who's going to forgive your failings? Who's going to help you face that unknown future that would otherwise cause fear? That does cause fear. If it was or will be because of you or your neighbor or your heritage or your wealth or your clout, then please take pause. Take time and give glory to yourself. But like the Apostle says, but if you know the truth, you have to give glory to the one who accomplishes all things, through whom are all things, the means of all things, who creates the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, who has created you. Who has created those things you study. Who's created the plan of salvation. Who accomplishes salvation for his people. Who accomplishes all that he sets out to do. Who brings about history. Who creates the family and the state and the workplace. And the responsibilities that are found there. And the pleasures you know. And, and the breath that you breathe. And the time that you spend, and the church that he builds. Now, nothing, simply nothing would, would be were it not for the action of the sovereign, almighty, triune God. It's all through him. There's no reason for boasting, bragging. And putting the spotlight upon ourselves. Nothing that he accomplishes in creation or recreation is worthy of anything less than the eternal praise of his creatures directed towards him. Particularly those whom he has called according to his purpose. The ones who know that all things are working together for good through God. All things. So as we look back on what we've been able to accomplish this week, or how we've been able to, we might say, survive the week, and we look ahead to what we wish to accomplish in this upcoming week, or wonder what this week's going to bring, 
And if we were to examine why we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, if indeed that relationship is what we have, it would be indeed sad, wouldn't it? And wrong, and devastating, and proud on our part if we would not acknowledge the one through whom all things are accomplished in this world and our lives with praise and glory directed not to us, but to the Lord who accomplishes all things. To leave him out is more than just missing pieces from the puzzle. It's to throw the puzzle out. And then Paul says, to him are all things. To him are all things. It's really a fitting ending to that collection that has all things at the end of every one of them, isn't it? To, from him, through him, to him. Everything has its beginning in God, its source, from him. All things are accomplished and exist through God, providence. All right? I mean, these are things that we're we're confessing in Article 12. We, we've cre he's created everything out of nothing, the heavens and the earth and all creatures, when it seemed good unto him, giving unto every creature its being, shape, and form, and that he also still upholds and governs them by his eternal provident, providence and infinite power for the service of the end, end mankind to the end. That man may serve his God. To him are all things. That shouldn't surprise us. He's the source of it all. He's one through everything, how everything's accomplished and everything's aiming to him. Everything has its end in him. From beginning to end and everything in between. Again, it's, it would seem strange to study the creation of God without being able to acknowledge him as the purpose behind it all. For to him is the purpose, to him is the end, to him is the glory. It's strange to study man without seeing that his end is in God. The Westminster Confession, as you know, says, What is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. He's, he's the purpose. It seems strange to study the environment without acknowledging its creator, to study anything in creation as if its purpose and end were in itself. To go about the things that we're doing in that same vein. And, and you see how things have come full circle in this doxology of the apostle. Everything has its beginning and end and everything in between in God. The goal of salvation is the glory of God. The goal of creation is the glory of God. The goal of our lives as Christians is to do whatever it is, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, for the glory of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, which drives that all-encompassing, God-glorifying Spirit by which we live. Creation teaches that to us, right? In that most elegant book, the whole creation is doing that. But it's the Gospel with the Spirit 
that opens our hearts to them. So that the goal of our lives is transformed from a goal to just look out for number one, which we call ourselves, to looking out who for the one who is above all things. The goal of God's plans. The goal of our lives is the goal of God's plans in harmony. To Him be the glory forever. That's what God intends. We're marching in step with Him. In all our studies. In all our pursuits. Hopes and dreams. In all of our family. In all of our churches. In all of our work and rest in, and play. In all that lays before us in the future. No wonder we say... We're going to do all we can, all we can, to teach our children these truths of the gospel. Because we're supposed to be doing all that we do for the glory of God. In all our joys and sorrows. In our studies of the past and in our hopes for tomorrow. We want our children be told that not only are they in, to be instructed by us ultimately so that they can learn to be productive cogs in society, be good citizens they need to be that to be productive citizens, absolutely but that's so that in everything they're doing they can be witnesses unto God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the way they do their jobs, in the way they perceive their jobs and their callings as they, they view the process by which they do whatever they're doing because God is the end. As teachers, we want to take up the challenge to say, how is it that I'm glorifying the Lord Jesus with what I'm teaching? with what I'm teaching and how I'm teaching it. Not only do I want to study hard or teach my children under my care because my Lord deserves and demands this, but also, how is my study reflecting a God-centered, a God-slanted look at the subjects I'm addressing? How am I being a light in the world by, by how I'm going about what I'm doing? Teaching or learning or working or taking up every role that I have, am I willing to see that I have this calling to, to think Christ's thoughts after Him with God as my goal? Because I realize that to Him are all things. One nice thing about this passage is that no matter what, no matter what, God's going to work all things to His good. He's going to work all things to His glory. God will even take those things that one would say, as we hear in the confession too, that want to curse Him, that want to oppose Him. And He's going to take it all, and He's going to use it all, so that His name is going to be glorified nevertheless. Because as Paul says, to Him are all things.
cross of Christ. His suffering and his dying. His resurrection, his return are evident displays of this. But if all things are to his glory, the creatures, our disciplines, the earth, the wind, the soil, the planets, the stars, the galaxies, his plan of salvation and his benevolent displays, the seasons and, and our years on this earth, how natural then it is, by God's grace that way, to be able to say with Paul and to do with Paul as we do like we do tonight. To say that this great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit deserves the continual display of our prayers or of our praise in all we do and all we say, all we think. Loving our Savior with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, because to Him are all things. And the only way that you and I can do that forever. As it says, to him be the glory forever is when we see him as the God of all grace and the God of all things through Jesus Christ. Because then we can do that forever. And you be reminded again tonight that even when it may seem that the pieces don't always fit together the way you would think they should, it's God who has all the pieces in their place. Because from Him, and through Him, and to Him, are all things. You and I are called to embrace that. To glorify His name forever. Through the ever-reigning Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything you say, everything you do, in all that you think, in all that you are. Yeah, we are called to believe that He is the Creator of all things. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond. <laughs>